James Bond, 007. Licensed to kill whom he pleases, where he pleases, when he pleases. The name's Bond, James Bond. It's the Bull and Ross Podcast, episode 117. I'm Nick Rojas. He's Nick Boyle. He's Mark DeSisto, sipping a Benny's mug. Fellas, how are we doing? We don't do a, what have we just seen? Because we've seen everything. <laughs> I think amongst us, we've seen like 500 movies in the last uh, episode. But guys, how are we doing? Quarantine. Uh, I'm in our, I'm in, I'm on day 33, I think, of quarantine. How are you guys doing? Um, Good. Yeah, yeah we're, we're good. Um, averaging three movies a day, pretty much. Healthy. So definitely getting, getting my screen time up. Absolutely. I've uh, been able to, you know, um, organize and, and review more of these movies, crank out our watch list, right? Add to the watch list even. Movies that we haven't had time to get to. We got the time now. All we the ones that it. were like, oh, yeah, when I find the time, I'll watch this. It's like, well, hey, bud, you got the time. Now. Time's here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Three-hour movie? <laughs> yeah. What else are you doing? You're going to watch it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like I finally, you know, it's not like I'm going out anymore. Now, yeah, we, exactly. now we can sit for three full hours. I still have one three-hour movie that I got to watch at night, and it's not even a timing thing because uh, we keep joking about it. But seriously, I need to watch Seven Samurai. It's on Canopy. It's the movie that is like the granddaddy of all action movies that took place after it. Uh, it's Kurosawa, Japanese samurai movie. Um that's the one I haven't seen. But other than that, we've seen a lot of movies. Boyle, uh, how about you? How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I've seen 17 movies since the last time we talked. <clears throat> Some of it has felt a little like homework. I feel like I was really crunching for two of the movies today. Um, and even though enjoyable, I actually didn't – well, we'll get to it after. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like – it's been very sporadic. We'll all be like, hey, let's watch this. It's like, all right, just add that the, to the to-do now. Now I don't need to worry about maybe going to watch this. But I still have a stack. I got, I got a list ready to go. I have so many I still want to get to. And so uh, right. I think once the nicer weather comes and we're in quarantine, if we're in quarantine, when we're in quarantine still, um, I think like we were texting earlier, I think it'll be a little bit different when – we can just be able to be outside and even like read a book or something out on the lawn. We'll be, you know, so the movie going might not average three a day as Mark. <laughs> but for me, I mean, I'm averaging one to two a day easily, easily one to two a day. Mm. So um, I, I, I totally understand too. And that's with working and stuff too. Like it's just like, I don't know, you end up having a lot more time on your hands and ability to see certain flicks or you'll stay up a little bit later to finish this one movie sort of a thing. So might get in a or wake up earlier. Might get, I was boil. I was legit about to say it. I might get into a routine where I'm waking up at six just to bang out a quick morning movie. Yep, <laughs> Work out, shower, get to my desk by like nine thirty. Nothing will ever beat the time I had to watch Blade Runner. And I watched one the night before and then I was told I didn't watch the right cut and the right version. So I tried to watch it again the next morning, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I just watched the same movie twice, and sure enough, I had, and there, <laughs> I never got the cut that Rojas had watched, and it was just like this whole weird thing, Dude, a whole, but that like, just reminds me. Was I was so up random. at like 4 a.m. to watch Blade Runner before I went to go teach. Yeah, that's Oh, fun. my God. Dude, yeah. <laughs> well, one more thing before we get on to the rest of the podcast. I don't know about you guys, but uh, – this whole quarantine and the long movies I've watched has turned 90 minute movies to me into basically like short films. Totally. 
you'll pause the movie at 45 minutes, but like, there's 45 minutes left. And like, how are they going to wrap this all up in 45 minutes? Like, uh, you know, not to give away too much, but I watched a uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. It takes two last night. That was, you know, 90 minutes. And I'm like, that's oh. a classic. I was like, this felt like an episode of a TV show, uh, based off all the other stuff I've been watching. I'm like, oh wow. Only 90 minutes. Uh, I watched a, and I'm not going to give it away because it's going to be the focal point of one of our segments later, but I watched a movie that was an hour and 28 minutes. Uh, so that felt bite-sized. But I also hated it, so we'll get to that later. Uh, right, right. It's a, they, they do feel like a sprint. It's like an episode. They're like, I want, I need more. <laughs> I want more movie. Yeah, because yeah. a ninety-minute movie now will be like with ten minutes left, and be like, and then, uh, yeah, this is our ending, and then uh, you go, right, yeah. what? We were doing so well. How I just started it. Uh, yeah. So time is kind of a, a enigma wrapped around uh, whatever that catchphrase is. So guys, we have a uh, we're doing a new segment to top the show, guys. News from the Hollywood Reporter today: Trolls World Tour was uh, <laughs> was released on digital on demand, and uh, Universal is claiming, and they can only claim it because they don't really release the data unless they want to. Uh, right. That Trolls World Tour shattered on demand records. So, just a quick backstory on the news here: It decided to break theatrical windows. They made this movie available for 48 hours on video on demand for 1999. Um, because, you know, all theaters are basically closed across the country except for a few drive-ins. And there are technically a few cinemas that are still open. But uh, DreamWorks uh, – I mean, sorry, Universal isn't reporting that, which I think is good. You don't want to kind of advertise that there's movie theaters open right. across the country. Uh, but it says that it's the biggest opening day and opening weekend ever for any digital title. Um, and that's according to some insiders uh, ever. Uh, again, 1999 is a purchase. And uh, this is indeed strange times. Um Movie theaters. What one thing I get before your reaction, sorry, Bull, yeah. is uh, you know it's not all sunshine and rainbows about this because theater uh, exhibitors, aka movie theater owners, are very upset because they think Universal kind of betrayed movie theaters, and they also are upset because they are saying that movie studios get a lot of their money from movies being released in theaters, getting all that publicity from being in theaters, and then coming to digital. So there's a lot of pros and cons to this, but uh, Boyle, what do, you, what do you got? What's your reaction to this story? I was going to say, I think, though, that there's so many of these movies, a perfect example, which, like, would it have flourished in the box office? Now, this one is a kid's movie, so I still think it would have done somewhat well, especially because the first Trolls movie did really well box office-wise. Um, kids want to see it. Parents want to go to the movies and bring their kids to something. It's a win-win. They bring in the money. It's entertaining, and the people love it. I actually haven't even seen the first Trolls movie. But um, I think they knew with coming into a sequel where it's hard for sequels to live up to the expectations. They know the economic hardship. Listen, let's just get it out there for people to watch. And a lot of people have been trying to do a lot of generous things for people at home too, like HBO giving access to all these shows for free for people and all these things. I think the company probably saw this as, guys, we're not going to make money off this movie, no matter when we decide to finally release this. Let's just give it to the people at home. Let's help families right now who, who need that movie night to relax with the kids and have them glued to a screen as a family that everyone can relax for an hour, you know, hour and a half, two hours, whatever long the movie is. And that's what they did. And they gave it at a reasonable price that parents are going to be like, yeah, we'll spend the 20 bucks. Everyone can have a movie night. And we get to stay at home and it all, you know, it all works. So I think I'm not surprised it shattered because it's also the first of the, what, eight that have been released. So in some sense, I mean, <laughs> good for you, but there will be others that will come and break that one and break that one. And it'll just be the new thing, you know, but 
Uh, Mark, what do you think about this, though? I, I think it was a tremendous business strategy. I mean, you look at it, it it's the right kind of movie to release or something like this, because it is. It's a kid's movie, right? So you got to think of, like, the parents who have um, all their kids locked up with them. They were like, we need a break from these little gremlins. So there's, like they'll gladly spend the money for that when they normally wouldn't. Like, um, go see it. Because everything that I was reading and looking at it was it's definitely uh, just like the family movie. Like, it's something to get the kids occupied. And I guess it's not that bad. I yeah. didn't see the first trolls either. I'm with you. Like, I had no intentions of seeing them. I couldn't believe they made a second one. I know. But I guess it's like, you know, because, like, isn't Justin Timberlake in it or something? And like, He's, like, Anna he's the Kendrick. one that made, the, like, two main songs, yeah. Yeah, like, I was say, I was actually thinking of watching it just because I've seen so many commercials for, for Trolls 2. I was like, you know, like, whatever. I don't yeah. have anything else to do. I might as well get it. <laughs> um, but I, I just think, I think, the again, my main point is the business strategy behind it. Like, obviously, this is going to set new records. It's the right movie to like kind of release for this sort of deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, you know, it's a movie that anyone could find some enjoyment from and great for families. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we're going to see a long-term strat strategic shift here because look, we grew up in an era of VHS guys where we were promoted to, uh, as the hunchback of Notre Dame sequel direct to home video. Like this is, yeah. Obviously, a thing that's been happening. However, the difference with those were is those were made direct to video on purpose. Smaller budget, animation style not as good. Obviously, the voice cast not as good. Storyline not as good. Yada yada yada. Right. Trolls World Tour, all intents and purposes, was made for theaters. Big time cast, big time animation studio. You know the works. So I don't think that this is going to represent a huge strategic shift. Could we see down the line though? Studios go. All right, we're going to have one family movie a year that we kind of put a little extra money into and then we release this because this 40 this 20 dollar model seems to hit yes i think we could because and i don't want to generalize but we see a lot if, if you're talking a mother father and a kid right there the economics of that stack up to you're saving money already by getting yeah. a dollar movie so exactly i don't know i maybe, i think it'll also I, save it, this... I think this is more than a blip is what i'm saying i Ross, I also think it, I think it's a good in between stage for a lot of movies going forward too. So like, you know, think about it this way: What about when that Avengers Endgame blockbuster finally dwindles out of the theater, and you have to wait the three or four months until it comes out on V, you know, on the VHS, on the DVD and stuff, you know, whatever digital download, and it's like. Oh, well, no, now we can just immediately from the theater throw it on the streaming service for a cheaper amount for people to see at home, and then you can go get it at Redbox and whatever after that. I don't know. Maybe it'll change Redbox too. We'll see, but know. at the same time, that could really destroy movie theaters at the same time so because they have that window you know, to give the theaters some business. So I don't know. Mark, totally. do, you have, do you have any more thoughts before we go into our uh, next bit of news? I'm good. So – Pixar's Soul was pushed back from June to November now. Uh, no! The November Man. Guys, I'm a little bit disappointed. That's really all I yeah, want to say I, about it. This, this makes sense to me. Just uh, based on the preview, this looks like it's going to be kind of uh, big. But the, the best way to describe it, unfortunately, is is big. Like The musical numbers seem like it's going to be great. Um, just based on the previews and everything you read about it, this is, it's going to be a good movie. You can, yes. I, I'm very confident in that. And... I think the theater experience is going to be important for this. 
Yeah. Because I think I, um, you know, something based like around music, like they want to make sure that the right sound system is used. So if you see it at home and like you don't have the right speaker specs for it, it could, uh, you know, affect it negatively for your, you know, for your watch. Whereas I think like you know, if you see this in in theaters, it's, it'd be a much better experience and just because they can tune it like the right way. Around. Yeah. I think yeah. that will. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Boyle. I think that this is a great marketing strategy for them. Here's my thoughts. Here's where I think the oh, vision wow. board on this went okay. is that it was this movie was already in the um, in the previews. Like people were already saying, like this is going to be a gut wrencher. This is if you thought like onward touched your heart, like this one's going to be even more. And I think that November's a perfect time because you got Thanksgiving, which a lot of us usually go out for a movie around the Thanksgiving time. So you're gonna have families who want to go out to a solid Pixar movie, as well as it's in the realm that it can be nominated for Best Animated Picture. So now they got a double whammy possibly going for them in the end, you know, in the times of when all this movie goings struggling and they have to lose out on certain films that have to go to streaming well they're going to make up for it with these big box office and let's put it in the prime time slot like november i think november december as we all know is like prime time movie time all the big ones come out then so i think that they're kind of playing the people right with giving a good thanksgiving style flick for people to check out as a family the oscars in january or february are going to either be terrible where we see no time to die win best picture because, <laughs> or it's going to be really difficult for voters because they're like, I just saw five quote unquote Academy movies, but I also saw like, I don't know what eight you know, blockbusters, eight blockbusters yeah. as well. Like I, I'm, my yeah. brain's all mixed up. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, uh, I didn't have this Unless on the they push it. Right. I didn't have this on the list at all, but quickly that Dune picture with Timothy. Oh, oh yeah. I'm very excited for this movie. Dude, I got the tingles. <laughs> that was I, awesome. I, I haven't read the book yet. Um, I was going to read the book this summer. I don't know if that's going to change or not, but uh, I have no idea what's going on. I never saw the original. All I saw was that one picture of Timothy Chalamet walking. I was like, yes, in. Let's do it. I want I want to watch the original too. Like I want to you know, – Because All right. Let's yes. talk about this. I'm going re- to read the book, and obviously that's one way of spoiling this movie. Should we say like – Go see the original and see how it compares. I'm, def- well, that's, I'm definitely going to see it. Will that ruin I your just, opinion of it going in? No, for me, um, you guys know how I am. I look into every possible information I can. I watch every single preview. I like to see every possible <laughs> thing I can. So if this is like a remake, I have to like I have to see the original Dune before I see this new one. I need to go in with all information possible. That's true, yeah. Uh, Boyle, uh, you're going to want to watch the original? Yeah, only because I heard how spectacular the first one was. So, and it's a very highly talked about film. So I'd be excited to not only see the original, but then be able to experience the new one with the power cast that they have coming. Like, it'd be like, wow. Um, And I think that it's not a, it's not a factor of like the, Ooh, whether the book or the movie, which one do you see, you know, leading up to it? I just think like, kind of like you said, like, I just think being acquainted with the characters will help going into the new movie in some sense. Uh, So the original, uh, run of Dune from 1984 when it came out made 30.9 million dollars at the box office, which, um, based on an estimated 40 million dollar budget, was considered a box office disappointment. And I think yeah, that's I, I people thought off. I heard it was bad. Yeah. I heard it, it well, wasn't no, good. Yeah, I gotta say, Mark Boyle, I, I heard a lot of people say like it just wasn't quite there. Oh, but I look, I went to the library when I heard about this movie coming out, right, and um, I saw how many Dune books they had. Like there's like, 
I mean, there's a lot more than whatever number I was about to say because I, I don't know. But there was like just Dune. This I'm like, oh, I think back in '84 they were probably well when they're doing this, they're like, look, Star Wars has three movies. We have we are sitting on like ten movies here if we right. know this. And then they kind of fumbled out the gate. I don't know. What... <laughs> Spoiler: They didn't nail it. They didn't nail it. <laughs> they didn't nail it. I don't know, but that picture today, ooh, chills. Yeah, that was a really good picture. I was all for it. I was like, I don't know what his story is, but here we go again. Um, <laughs> guys, we're 17 and a half minutes into the pod. It's time for Let's us to review this. some movies. Uh, quickly, Mark and Boyle, how many movies did you guys watch the last time we recorded an episode? Which, if you were to take it after the uh, episode we did about The Gentleman, it's about the April 27th range. Uh, so how many movies have you guys watched? Sorry, not April 27th, March 27th. How many movies have you guys seen since then? Just about. Since March 27th? Oh my God. I met, I met 18 for the past seven days. Wow. So. If you're distracted I mean, that out, that you're. Uh, uh, I was going like to say. See the diary. I'm at 17. All right. So I'm at 18 for the last. All right. So then I'm going to start counting back from there. So it was 19. 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 29 movies. Wow. I've seen 29 movies since our last podcast. That's ridiculous. Wow. Not that many bad ones. There's only a couple bad ones there. I'll, I'll zoom through those just so I saw them so you don't have to. Yeah. I'm like, um, we, we have a segment coming up with quick picks, which I'm, I'm very excited to just rattle off some ones to avoid, some landmines, oh, yeah. if you will. Yeah, these my my couple of landmines. Uh, the Green Inferno actually bad. Oh. Tone Deaf was bad. Vivarium, I was so disappointed. That one oh. was bad. Yeah, a ghost story. It's the that was the, you know the the, cinema like it was just like this is art. Get it? I I wasn't about it at all. Um, the Heartbreak Kid, not funny. It just wasn't very good. Those are like the only bad movies I saw out of the twenty nine. Yeah. I, I mean, all right, quickly, let's just – I'll just throw away my trash in the recycle bin. I saw 19 movies, 18 of which were new to me. Uh, not to ruin any of my future segments, so I'll give one of the second worst movies I saw was um, <laughs> The Black Coat's Daughter. It's on Netflix. Oh, I, I tried to watch that. I got like halfway through it. I was like, this is wasting my time. It, I couldn't do it. <laughs> lucky for you f- to pull the eject shoot on that. We We did not, and I was like – the whole halfway the through, through the movie, it. I'm like, maybe I just don't get this. And then it ended. I was like, oh, no, that was just that was just not yeah. good. <laughs> like, I get it. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah. It was just – they're like, have you ever seen a movie where nothing really, like, happens? But, like, like I don't know. I don't care about spoiling this movie. But like, disguise it. Yeah, they disguise it as slow burn. No, you just didn't do anything. <laughs> second half of the movie, there are some gruesome, violent deaths. But it feels so lifeless that you're just like – it was just yeah. thrown in there like, whoa, didn't see that one coming, did you? It's like, <laughs> actually, I was hoping that would happen, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's talk about it, guys. The big focus of our last eh, week and a half or so is we've seen a lot of James Bond movies uh, together as a trio. Let's talk about the original Connery movies right off the bat. Let's start off with Boyle. Let's kind of reviews, review these as a whole. And the movies, for the sake of our discussion right now, we're going to talk about is Dr. No. We're going to talk about From Russia with Love and Goldfinger, the first three in the Sean Connery uh, run of James Bond movies. Boyle, let's uh, let's give your thoughts on those three movies, kind of like an over overreaching 
few of them. Okay, so I'll just kind of say, like, I obviously started ranking them. This is going into it. I think that's the point of this. Um, and I know Mark has a fun segment he wants us to do, too, in ranking. And the yeah. one thing I have not told you guys, and I was saving for this point in the podcast, was... About two and a half weeks ago, I had a phone call with Luke Lassert. And Luke Lassert told me during the quarantine he was going to be rewatching all of the Bond movies and, no rating, the, and rating the <laughs> Bond women in order of who he thinks is most attractive. So, uh, so ironically, after we were talking about this, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about Luke. Like, and his, <laughs> he's, he's doing this on the side. I totally have to reach out to him. So, um, but just to go over them real quick, I mean, I think Dr. No, the first one, was stellar. Now, for a movie that came out in 62, 1962, like, I was out, I was blown away by how well the movie was shot, how well the, the, the script was actually, like, the script was. I mean, obviously, they're made to have that corniness to them in every single one, but, like, the action was okay. Like, it was just honestly like a decent movie. And you're like, the this action is the 60s? Okay. Like, I'm like, this <laughs> is great. Awesome. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I just, I was more surprised for enjoying it way more than I really thought, like, this is going to be dull and dry. And they haven't been. Um, I will say, after that comes From Rush with Love, I actually thought that one was just eh. Cool to see different gizmos and gadgets. I love the train scene. That's probably all I took away from that movie. Um, and then in uh, Goldfinger, I was just not blown away as much. I was just like, okay, like, got it. Like, okay. I, I, I was here, but I feel like there's a little bit – I liked it a little bit more than From Russia With Love, but it still doesn't top Dr. No yet. <laughs> All right, well, that's fair. Desisto, you're you're next up. What, what, oh, thank God! Yeah, what, what are your hand, hand me the the reins on this one because boy, oh, did you watch the right Goldfinger? Yeah. It's the best Bond. It's the best Bond in my opinion. I um, like spoiler it. Spoiler alert! It's my favorite. It's got the best villain. It's got the best one-liners. It's like it's not too over the top with the gadgets. Like the action is like good enough where you're like, all right, like. You could see him pulling off this stuff, and it's not like too far fetched. But even the script, like the the humor's well timed, the Bond women in it, everything, and of course the theme song. It's the best Bond theme song. It's, I love it. It's over the top, and um, I it's my favorite Bond. Like Goldfinger is just and his his henchman. Everyone knows Oddjob. Everyone knows who it is. Oddjob makes his appearance in Goldfinger. And yeah. he was just, it was such a nice compliment. Cause you're like, all right, he's a mute. He's yoked up. He throws a hat. Like his name is just odd job. It was awesome. Everything Dude, was awesome. He was crazy, by the way. Odd job. You're just like, wow. Yeah. You just know you can't mess with that guy. And um, so, but just like the all three, I'm with uh, Boyle on, um, from Russia with Love was just eh. Like it was good. It's a good movie, but yeah, out of out of the first three, definitely to me, it's just meh. Um, you know, I didn't care for the villain that much, and we know me. But uh, if the villain's not that great, I don't like the movie that much. Right. It's like you know, because like Bond can be as cool as he wants, but like if I'm not into the the villain, I'm just like you know, what are what are we doing here? Exactly. Um, but Doctor No, phenomenal, and um, I thought what makes um. These movies so 
good to people our age because we grew up with like Austin Powers, right? Yeah. And there's so many jokes from Austin Powers that I understand so much better, like from watching these films. Be like, okay, like they're, they're making fun of this. Like, I had a lot of those jokes I didn't understand. I thought they were just making stuff up, and it was still funny. But now it's even funnier knowing that they're ripping off like these actual. Like villains in this, uh, and stuff right. from the previous movies. We had no idea. Uh, Sean Connery, yeah. yeah. No, I was oh, saying, Sean like, it's Connery so that those James movies... Bond is amazing. Oh, yeah. Like he's he's great. Um, yeah, I don't. We know how I feel about these movies. I, I think it's great. Boyle, um, I'm so disappointed in you with your cold finger <laughs> evaluation. He's the best. I don't know what you're doing, um, but yeah. Other than that, um, pretty much on the same page. These oh, yeah. rule like for 60s movies too again like like what Boyle was saying so impressive with how well these are shot um the editing like obviously like there's some green screen uh style stuff however they edited it like back in the day but the still, actual projectors like, projecting the thing that was supposed to be in the background like, yeah it's, just, it's wild it's so funny how it's just like oh they did practical effects like bond driving in the car and it's like they literally would just like project streets behind them and you're like congrats you're in a car now like yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, love it. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna rehash all of what you said, but the just to kind of just say a little bit differently now is, it's really cool to see how they kind of set the template for future spy movies and action movies and everything like that. I really like one that in Doctor No. You know, I don't know how popular the books were going into this, but it's like this is James Bond. Like we're setting the tone right now that like he's an awesome character. We're not gonna give you any kind of backstory right now. You're just gonna have to take our word for it, but. In Dr. No, the introduction of James Bond, I just want to quickly say, one of the coolest introductions of a character I've ever seen before. Neuf à la banque. I need another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. You only see from behind him, then you only see his hands, and all of a sudden it's Bond, James Bond. You're like... Little did they yeah. know they were establishing a film icon that would last almost 60 years now, which is incredible to think about. Um, yeah. Very cool. Um, other thing I wanted to note, too, is um, I kind of like how, again, for 60s movies, the fact that like every 20 minutes they're like, let's have something exciting happening. You know, Let's just keep this going. Let's not try to make it be boring or too crazy on the dialogue. And then in, this, in the second and third movies, I really liked how they're, they kind of introduced that thing that – the Mission Impossibles of the world happened, which, you know, Mission Impossible, ironically enough, that was an action show from the 60s too, a spy thriller movie, but where right. they're bouncing around to all different locations. You know, we see that in the mm. Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. In, uh, you know, in From Russia with Love, we're in Istanbul and um, England and, you know, a few other places. In Goldfinger, we're in uh, Kentucky, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, we're, in, we're, we're popping around to quite a few different places. Um, and, and impressive, like some of the helicopter action stunts and that train scene in from Russia with Love and uh, Goldfinger with that, uh, you know, that Fort Knox plan and just the coordination with that was hilarious. It, and they had the um, the over the top stereotypical like Italian gangsters with them, too. That oh, was my so God. funny. Everything was They're a like... step away from being a parody <laughs> of itself. Yeah, like everything that's why was that's so... what makes it awesome. Yeah, and the one-liners, I'm like, oh my god, Arnold Schwarzenegger owes his entire shtick to <laughs> James Bond movies. But uh, I'm with you guys. Doctor No, I really liked a lot. From Russia with Love, a little bit less so. And then Goldfinger, I guess this is where I kind of differentiate from Boyle, and I'm kind of more with DeSisto. I really like Goldfinger. It's just so funny that these endings are so like. Um... Even Goldfinger did have that kind of false ending, which actually I really did appreciate. Yeah, 
That was yeah. really cool. I was like, ooh, nice little, little I bump didn't at the see end. that one coming and then I um like the false finish and, and they go and you're like, All right, like okay, I'm with this. Yeah, and, and then I'm kinda like how funny they, that how, yeah, how they sh- just end though. How it just says like the end and like, yeah. the movie is like abruptly over. Done. So, like, yeah, like, this is so cool. Oh, like, dude, okay. like boom like, thir- <laughs> I would like literally you would see with like ninety seconds left, like on the Hulu thing, you're like, How does this movie end in ninety seconds? Yeah. Where Boom. Yeah, and it's like the end. You're like, oh, that's how it ends. I uh, just love the yeah. James Bond will be back again. Yeah, I love that too. I love little cool. stuff like that because they were filming these movies probably like in like a month, and they're like, all right, next they one. were literally one. They came out one year after the next. Yeah, yeah, it's unreal. Really cool. So yeah, overall, we're digging these Bond movies. I'm looking forward to watching the rest of them. Shout out to um, yeah, you guys have Thunderball next, and Thunderball is like me. It's like Goldfinger, and like Thunderball is like right here. I saw it's that amazing. sharks were on the uh, poster, so very excited. A for lot that. of live sharks. They, uh, I read the backstories about that. We can discuss that on the next episode. Oh, very excited. All right. All right, so that was our reviews of the Bond movies. Check them out. All right, so now quickly available on Amazon Prime is The Great Escape. Quick synopsis for it: This movie takes uh, movie released in 1963. It is about a World War II POW camp uh, held by the German Nazi forces with a bunch of mostly British, some Australian and American prisoners of war who have previously attempted to escape multiple times in other camps. They're all kind of like throwing all the rotten eggs into one basket, if you will, I think stealing from the movie there. And this is their story. They're based on a true story of how they got out. I did zero research about whether how true this movie was at all. But uh, so I don't can't verify anything, but let's talk about it uh, right now. I have uh, just quickly. I just want to give my quick review. I gave this movie uh, originally. I gave it 10 out of 10 kernels on the oh my scale, God. but I bumped it down. I reduced it a little bit to a nine out of 10. Look, I uh, I really like this movie. I'm not going to rehash what I said on letterbox, but I really like this movie a lot. I think it's a classic for a reason. I think you have uh, peak actors appearing in some of their peak roles. I mean, these are just a legendary cast acting their you-know-what's-off. I think great exposition. I think really good character development in the sense that we understand and appreciate each character so that when we get to the last, I mean, hour of the movie, but <laughs> the last hour of the movie, we actually kind of like have like what we feel like a relationship to almost like eight characters at that point. Um, I really thought that was good. I like the small storytelling in a, in a small kind of – uh, location, if you will, the majority of the movie taking place in that camp. And then I really like the tension at the end. I think the soundtrack was wonderful. I mean, that song is iconic. Uh, and uh, you know what? I think this movie was almost as good as Chicken Run. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I seen Chicken Run as a kid and uh, I did not realize that I did not realize that Chicken Run as a kid was a giant Great Escape ripoff. I just I didn't know. I I didn't know that either. Until like that, you like just said this. The, the tapping on the wagon with the thing. Yes. The music playing the whole time. Wow, man! Yeah. I never. That the, makes so much sense. Her playing now. with the ball the whole time while she's marking off how many days oh, she's been in the. Man, dude. Yeah, it's all a. It's just an animated greatest. You game. just blew my mind. You just <laughs> blow my mind. It's almost like I got to go rewatch Chicken Run just to appreciate it now even more because I think I have it on VHS. That's hysterical. Yeah, I had a, it was on one of our early DVDs. But that's the end of my review. Uh, let's go to DeSisto, who went on the other end. Not not saying it was terrible or anything, but DeSisto, give your re- review, yeah, I, and then Boyle will meet us halfway. Was, it was good. Like, uh, I, I, it was just too much movie. I didn't need that much movie uh, to get where we were going. It, uh, you know, uh, I thought it just dragged out like a little too long. While I did appreciate some of the performances and some of the characters, I was just like, ugh. I, I kept like checking the clock because I was like, why? We're still going. 
Like, it, you know, it's like, it's just too much time for me. It, I, I, I hate to say that it's because like, it is a, a good movie, but there was a marathon for me. So I gave it a, a 6.8 out of 10. It was just too much movie for me. If it was, if you could have like boiled it down, uh, even if it was like two hours and like 20 minutes, I, I, I could deal with that a little better. But this was, it was, I can't get over like kind of just how much it dragged. Mark, from what I read on your review and boy, we'll go to you quickly. It sounded almost as if like, this is the original cut uh, nowadays that a movie would be given to like the studio and the studio would be like, all right, great. Cut this down to two two hours and you got yourself a deal and they're like okay yep and so yeah it's this movie is basically all deleted scenes included right yeah so like kind of what you were saying too you can tell it's a classic like the soundtrack everything like the actors like everything was it was good but you're so right like they just included everything they just put everything into the you will not have a single question when this movie ends because everything is explained (laughs) throughout the entire movie there's no like wait a minute but why no 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 there's a scene for that trust us Where'd they get that wood from? Oh, you'll yeah. see. There it is. Yeah, yeah they, they, oh. they do. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So again, it was good, it. but like it was just a little. It was a little too much for me. Boyle. So for me, um, I am down the middle because you know me. I'm. If it comes to any movie, first of all, that always reflects the score. Is if it says its name. And if it's long or if it's too long or too short. And this was definitely on the longer side, so I can see that, Mark, and I would agree. But I will say I actually lean more towards Rojas on this, and I feel that I enjoyed the three hours. Like, it's been a rainy, crummy day, and I feel like this was perfect for me to just sit on my couch, like, lose myself in the movie for a a long time. Um and kind of just be like, wow, like this is, you know, this is something that went down and it was intriguing. I think once the escape happens, um, I think the scenes that follow, I feel like that maybe could have been the part that they trimmed up a little bit because I appreciated seeing the attempts along the way. Um, but the city, them running in the city and all this stuff, I mean, it still was interesting, but again, you know what I mean? So um, it was good though. I really enjoyed it. I actually also... Give it a nine out of ten. Um, oh my God. What? Yeah, I truly also thought this was a classic. I really enjoyed it. I feel like I, or I know I've seen parts of this other times. Maybe it even was for Chicken Run. Um, but just in the sense that this was really, um, it, it was a moment in time. I love watching a, a, a movie about a moment in time, and and it was it was good. Again, I agree with Mark, though. It was a little long. I could maybe go down to an 8 out of 10. I think I'm riding a 9 because of the high from it. I'm like, oh, it was really great. But I could see it settling down to an 8 after all said and done. Um, but I'll take it for what it is. It's a three-hour, like, the uh, what, what do you call that, the director's cut, where they just give you everything, like you said. I think that was perfect. Oh, yeah. That's, I totally agree with you. Thanks, guys, for your thoughts on Great Escape. I will say this, that uh, and Boyle might agree with this more than more than Mark, I'm not sure, but I really felt how good this movie was when it was that, like I said, that last hour, The Escape, and I feel like we're not really spoiling a 57-year-old movie here. That's based on true story, so if you haven't, (laughs) skip ahead. Uh, But when they were showing all the different characters that had escaped the camp, and we're seeing their their fate, if you will, where I felt it like, oh no, go, get away, like, oh, I could could feel it. 
which is really cool. And then Steve McQueen, I mean, is that guy not the coolest guy in the history? Yeah, of, like, he's awesome. Dude, seriously. That guy's a man. He, yeah. he, just looked, he just looked the Nazi uh, soldiers right in the eye and spit right in their eye the entire movie. It's just incredible. It, and dude, that was. motorcycle. Dude, and when scene. he keeps going back to the cell, you're just like, and he throwing the ball, you're like, yeah. He's yeah, back man. in jail. <laughs> <laughs> the boys are back in town. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, great escape. It's on Amazon Prime. I mean, if you, you know, if you are a completionist and you want to see uh, film history, I guess if you, you know, if you want to see that, I mean, Steve McQueen, I think it's a pretty good movie. Uh, so, Mark six point eight, Boyle nine. I gave it a nine as well, out of ten on the first scale. Guys, let's go to our streaming reviews of the week. We're gonna mix up the order right now. We're gonna go to Desisto first, then Boyle on his pick, and then I'm gonna finish it off with my streaming review of the week. Desisto. Talk to us about a movie you saw that is directed by Alexander Payne. I think it's the late 90s. It's so it us... 1999. Okay. What's your movie? It is Election. A uh, comedy movie headlined by Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon on the title. This is uh, a movie I just recently found out about. Um, actually, courtesy Letterboxd. It like, popped up on the feed. It was like what your, what your uh, friends are, are watching or whatever. And I'm, I can't believe I hadn't heard of this sooner. It's incredibly funny. Um, the cast is is strong. Um, the, the the jokes are good. It's uh, election is uh, based on a, a Matthew Broderick high school teacher and Reese Witherspoon um, high school student, and they're running for class president. And I don't want to give too much away, but like you know, the jokes are great. <laughs> like they land um, relatable. I feel like it's held up. Like it's not an overly '90s movie. It like the jokes are still funny now. Um, it, the, like from start to finish, like the jokes make sense. Like a, some of it's crude humor. I wouldn't watch it with your parents. It's uh, but it, it's a good time. And I'd say for anyone who hasn't watched it, I'd totally recommend it. I ended up giving it uh, an eight point four out of ten. Oh, awesome! I'm very excited to watch this movie again because uh, I mentioned it to you guys very in the text. But I think I, I I saw it in 2010 uh, in college, my freshman year, when I was just like some. 18 year old punk that was like for the first 20 minutes like what is this stupid movie and I was like oh it was fun I liked it but you know like I think Mark and you might speak to this too you know we're all you know around the same age obviously we're separated by a few months of when we were born I feel like a lot of our parents were not watching a lot of movies from like 95 to like 05 because they were stuck either watching kids movies or running around raising kids so it's kind of almost up to us to kind of discover the movies that our parents never watched the first time around and I feel like yes. election is one of those kind of holes in our parents' viewing windows. Because obviously the movies from like the 70s and 80s, we kind of have on lock. We've seen them growing mm. up, but I don't know. But yeah, election It's funny you I bring missed. that up because um, when I was searching for it, my dad was like, oh, election, I've seen it. He's seen it. Like, so, oh, yeah. but, so for this one to just kind of slip under the radar for me, like I never really heard anyone talk about it around me or anything. And it, I was like, this is great. It's a solidly funny movie. Where'd you see and that? I, that's why I think it really earned uh, my B. Yeah, like, I pretty much gave it a B. Um, it, I, it's supposed to be on Hulu, but I saw it through Showtime. Oh, okay, okay, all right. That I like that pick. I like that pick because that sounds like an awesome, awesome time. Oh, it, it's great, very funny. I think you guys will really like it too if, if you haven't seen it. Again, it's um, high school uh, class election. Uh, it's yeah, and hilarity ensues. It, it's great. There's like so many different like factors like. Like go into it. Like Matthew Broderick starts out as like the nice teacher, and then you just see him like slowly unravel. It's great. 
loses his mind. I believe he gets uh, – I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. Don't would, give it away. No yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff is now coming back to me now. We'll, we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. Boyle, okay. what's your streaming review of the week? My streaming review of the week, only because I know Mark has seen it and I want to discuss it, was Ma- uh, 1999's Magnolia. Ooh, 99. Magnolia. And it was uh, – Things fall down, people look up, and when it rains, it pours. An epic mosaic of many interrelated characters in search of happiness, forgiveness, and meaning in the San Fernando Valley. And it's, it, I, I love stuff like this when it all intertwines and uh, kind of comes together. It's got like to- a bunch of people. Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, William H. Macy, Tom Cruise, Philip Baker Hall, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. And it was... Um, it was an enjoyable watch, honestly, the entire movie. I was in a great spot. I would tell you right now, I was probably at an 8 out of 10. And then the ending happened. And what happens at the ending, I was just like, what? And it killed the movie, 5.5 out of 10 on the Fisher scale. I just, I was like, I was just like, no. Like, I, I get why they did it. In a sense, but I don't. No, clearly you don't. And I clearly (laughs) like. I'm just like, no, that's just. I don't know. Maybe I didn't get it. Maybe it just didn't resonate right. Maybe I didn't because I don't. I tried to take it for what it was without. And still to this point, I've not looked into anything or tried to understand any. I like. All right, I'm going to take it for what it is and kind of move on until we had this talk in this podcast. So, Mark, help me out here. Maybe you can bring it back to life for me. But because the movie was honestly outstanding, except for the ending, and the that's ending a was huge fantastic. Drop. The ending, like, just explained that how ridiculous, like, everything going on at the same time is, yet it's still intertwined and, and like, still connected at all. Mm. And, like, that's the point of the movie. Is this a ridiculous thing that's supposed to be happening? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I didn't see the point of it. Ah, boil. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was fantastic. It was, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, just showing how wildly different, like people in different aspects of their lives are yet like somehow all intertwined and still working together. It's like the, almost like a six degrees of separation sort of deal where you're like, none of these should have any connections and yet they're all connected. Yeah. Well, where'd you see this? So movie I, I loved it. I, I just thought it was great. I gave it a 9.1 out of 10. Whoa. Big, big discrepancy. That's one of our bigger discrepancies. That's big. That's the biggest one since last episode with Patriot games. Yeah. Boyle, we're not talk about <laughs> Boyle, where where did you see this movie on? Uh this was Amazon? It's Netflix. Is it Netflix? Netflix. Isn't it always bizarre oh, yeah. when, when you're on Amazon Prime and you're like Civil War or like it's Captain America the first Avenger and you're like, wait a minute, shouldn't you be on Disney Plus? It's like, yeah, yeah, we're still here too. Yeah. We're still over here. What are you gonna do about it, you know? All right, so Rojas, what's your review? Okay, so I saw a movie that is not twenty one years old. Like I might need to watch this now because of your review. I'm okay. so excited. Okay. All right. Because look, uh, a little precursor to this movie. I've listened to two separate movie podcasts talk about this movie. Uh, I love it. Somewhat fav- favorably. Ken Jack on Lights, Camera, Barstool gave it in the 40s out of 100. And then another movie podcast listened to The Film Vault. A guy who's usually like kind of like – he's kind of like more of a harsher kind of critic on movies. He really liked it and liked the humor in this movie because it was – way raunchier and way more true to life than Good Boys was in terms of kid acting and kid comedy. So the movie I saw is a Netflix exclusive called Coffee and Cream 2020. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll 
briefly give the synopsis, but coffee and cream. Get it? Coffee and cream. Jason, it's <laughs> it's one of those movies where they came up with the name of the movie, and then they're like, all right, what's the plot? And they're like, all right, we got it. Uh, so Jason Sudeikis – not sorry. I keep saying Jason Sudeikis. It's not Jason Sudeikis. It's Ed Helms. It's Ed Helms is playing a Los Angeles cop, LAPD uh, officer, and he's dating um, – uh, what's her name? Because she she's great. It's like Taja B. Henderson or something like that. I'm blanking on her name for a second. I will get it to you guys in a second. Her name is, yep, Taraji P. Henson. And uh, they're dating, and her son is this little kid. His character, his actor's name is Terrence Little Garden High. He's like in seventh grade or eighth grade or whatever. He's like basically like a little 12-year-old kid. Uh, does not like that his mom is dating this white cop and is tries to seek out a way to, you know, kind of Hurt him, rough him up a little bit so he doesn't, you know, date his mom. And uh, you guys aren't going to believe this, but chaos, it ensues. <laughs> uh, I give this movie a big whopping two uh, kernels out of ten on the Fisher scale. Oh, my God. I, yeah, it, it looked terrible. I really hated this movie. It's one of those ones where, I mean, you what, you saw the preview or you saw the poster and you felt like you saw the whole story. Mm. Yeah, I look, so look, I just want to quickly be brief because I don't like to bash movies too much, but – the reasons why I did not like this movie is it's just it's movie played to the lowest common denominator where it's like we're going to play to just the most average movie film goer right now where it's like, look, laughy laugh part. All right. Look, uh, a former Vine guy now in this movie, like Ooh, uh. this person here, like action scene, like oh, this person just got hit in the head. Oh, this person just got like shot, like shocking. Like it's just like, ooh, we're doing this now to be like catch your attention. And it's just like. How many times are you going to do that? And then in between is just a bunch of comedy that was just like, who wrote this movie, man? Like a seventh grader? <laughs> it's just like – I'm not saying like it was not politically correct because I'm all for politically incorrect humor. It was just like what kind of jokes are these? And like they're so lame. It's so I hate beating up on a movie because people worked hard on this movie, but it's just like – Did they? Yeah, right? It just <laughs> – don't watch this movie. I'm rambling. Just don't watch this movie. I'm just so yeah, bummed. Because <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, it's like someone presented you, like, garbage at a restaurant. Like, here's garbage we got from the back. And you're like, I don't want to eat this. And it's like, come on. You really should just eat it. It's like, oh, you eat it and you're like, yeah, this was garbage, man. Like, what, what do you want from me? It's like, yeah, but you, you ate it. You, and you feel you a lot better. You ate the garbage. So now you'll you appreciate you, you ate the trash. And it's like, yeah, now you'll appreciate next time when you eat something good. And it's like, I guess, but I didn't need to eat the garbage. So, so. This is bad. See this movie if you want to remember what a bad movie is. It's on Netflix. Uh, right. Do you guys have any questions for me? Because I really don't feel like answering. I don't. Any. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that one. Actually, and I did see a classic that um, that I do want to talk about for a little bit because I finally got around to seeing uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Ooh. Which is on, I believe it's on um, Amazon Prime and Netflix maybe. But it's definitely on Prime. Uh, but I saw The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and I also saw Dirty Harry. Yes. Both, like, very uh, – both fantastic. Like, uh, and I finally got around to it. Um, Dirty Harry, I'll be quick with that one. Uh, you can see it on Netflix. I gave it an 8.6 out of 10. It's it's good, and Clint Eastwood is really, really good, but the rest of the movie is just kind of meh. Mm. Like, you go, you go for Clint Eastwood. Is he in? And is he in the majority of the movie? Yeah, he's in the he's in the entire movie. Okay, but like it, but he is very good. His character is complex. You never really get like a full read on him. I guess like leave that up to the viewer. 
uh, what happens, like, you know, you get to follow him around, see how he does his job, uh, and then follow him while they, you know, working on, like, a, a certain case with, like, a, a psycho killer, pretty much. The movie's fantastic, but um, I think if you, if like, if you take Clint Eastwood out of that, that movie really doesn't hold up that strongly. So, 8.6, but mostly on his, his shoulders. Now, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is just absolutely fantastic. It's long. It, like, for me, this is kind of like... Uh, what the great escape was for you guys. <laughs> it's like, this one was crazy long, but this needed every single scene. Um, all, like, the three main characters that you follow, they're all fantastic. Everything, everything's good. Every scene is iconic. Like, um, the score with it, like, you know, that classic, like, Western, uh, like, dual so... music. Yeah, no, I can't whistle, so... <laughs> My whistle. Yeah, that. I'm trying... Yeah. That's where it's from, right? This movie? Yes, that's where it's from, and it that, and it comes up like a lot in the film. And I'm always like, uh, every yeah. time it pops up, you get like giddy. Yeah, you're like, yeah, they're doing it, they're doing the noise. It's the yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's awesome, and like the final like um, standoff and everything. It's all great. It's a great movie. Uh, couldn't uh, recommend it anymore. It's I give it a nine point three out of ten, and that's the best movie I've watched. Wow. Since um, our last podcast, wow. nine point three out of ten. Pretty good. Boyle, do you have any uh, quick picks? Um, <clears throat> any quick picks? Uh, there were just two things I wanted to acknowledge. One was that The Witch was one of the worst movies I've ever seen, <laughs> and I know that you liked that, but I just it did not do anything. No, for I me. get it. I understand completely. The ending was great, but like the first three quarters of the movie was junk. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Train to Busan and Snowpiercer. Um, I thought that once again, um, hold on, I'm trying to find it. Um, Bong Joon-ho, that he did a wonderful, I didn't want to like say it the wrong way, that he did just a wonderful job directing again. Both of these like thrillers were just so enticing, so beautifully and crisp shot, like just, he, he hooks you in, he keeps you there the whole time, he doesn't drag anything out that doesn't need to be there. And provides always a good kind of like not twist ending, but kind of in a way. Like it's just like it's not the traditional ending, and I I appreciate that. And it's also a fun, enticing ending. So, so you yes, you were talking about Train to Busan just now, right? And Snowpiercer, oh, and Snowpiercer. both of the okay. movies, okay. both of the movies. Yes, both um, train related I, movies. I just I Ooh. seriously and. Uh, and they just, yeah, it just took me to a good place. I, I really enjoyed, those were probably two of my favorite movies I've seen since the last time we talked. Yeah, I'm with Boyle on Train to Busan. That movie was fantastic. I don't really have to add much. I thought the acting was great and the writing was better. Um, they, that was a really good movie. If you don't mind subtitles, I you know, 100% recommend it. Snowpiercer, I wanted to like it more than I did. I didn't think it was that that good. I liked okay. it. I didn't love it. Boy, I like your quick review of uh, The Witch because that's one of those movies where I liked it, but I was like, anybody who were to say the opposite, I'd also go, yep, yep, right back at you. Yeah, like, and, I, and you people... know, first said that too. Like, uh, I was, I was with him. Like, uh, The Witch, it, it was another one of those movies uh, where they're like, this is art. Like, this is just kind of really boring. Like, I guess, like, it's all like I a don't big need setup this. for like the crescendo at the end, I guess, but I was like, I didn't like the ending that much either. I'm like, this is just dumb. I was like, yeah. come on. I, I liked it yeah. way more than the Black Coat's Daughter, man. I really did. And Black Coat's Daughter is 
big bad. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that movie just did not like it. Ross, so, I think you liked the ending because of the scene that was so similar in Midsommar. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's also that director uh, also did the Lighthouse too. I had seen, I saw the Lighthouse uh, before I saw. I hated the Lighthouse. Did we so talk did, about that so already? Jeff, yeah, yeah, we did. Jeff Redman, who just followed us on Letterboxd, uh, also did not yeah, like that he, movie at all. He actually sent me a Facebook message um, about that, and I got him on the Letterboxd. Anyway, all the listeners, we highly recommend getting on Letterboxd. Yeah, it's a great way. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way to to you know organize the movies that we see. It's way easier to see uh, you know what your friends are watching, and you know kind of give you new ideas to see what you want. Too. Also, yes, and we'll forever eliminate that whole like, hey, did you see that movie? And you going, I don't remember. There's yeah. actual evidence. I always point back to this, but Boyle was like, yeah, dude, that this movie that uh, you and I both saw, I was like, I've never seen that movie before in my life. And then literally clicked on the movie and I had a full-blown review about how forgettable the movie was. I was like, wow, yeah, it was forgettable. I straight up erased it. And I I accidentally lied to you guys, by the way. Speaking of which, going through my reviews, um, I also rewatched Wally. Oh, and yeah, that did. was the best movie I've, I've seen oh, okay. since the last podcast. Oh, yeah. so that, but I gave it a good, 9.4 out of 10. But Good, Bad, and the Ugly was movie. the best new movie to you that you saw in the last Yeah, Good, Bad, and the Ugly is the best new movie that I've seen. Yes. Um, yeah. That one, I, you guys got to see that. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I know. I, I, that's always been on my to-do list. So I, my, it's, see that yeah. and Dirty Harry. I've seen both, but I was younger with my grand, my great grandfather. So like, I really haven't seen it since then. So rewatching it will almost feel like a first watch, you know. Mm, my right. my quick picks. I've been seeing a lot of Jules Coco childhood favorites over the last two weeks. Uh, so just want to give a quick sh- no. Not that is not a Jules Coco. That was that was someone else who will remain nameless. But just quick shout out to them. Just quickly, gonna go by name. Uh, some movies of hers that she picked that I enjoyed. My best friend's wedding, Julia Roberts, A Little Princess, Double Teamed, and uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's It Takes Two, which was mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Fun, fun kids movies. Then in the case of my best friend's wedding, a fun '90s rom com. So shout out to those. My quick picks on the low end because I feel like we've been kind of doing movies that we didn't really like that much. Just a quick uh, whatever a shout out is. That's the opposite of that to Carriers. It's a 2009 Chris Pine movie about a deadly virus that's going across the world. And these people are uh, just trying to survive and trying to avoid people who are carriers of this virus. I was like, well, this is timely. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Look, it's – dude, you're probably like, like, I don't remember this movie coming out. It's because Chris Pine's like the only person in this movie that you really know with the exception of Christopher Maloney. Uh, nah, not, not that good. Saw that one on Netflix. But – Movie that I want to give a shout out to that I actually really liked, quick pick, is The Killing of the Sacred Deer. I gave that one <laughs> eight out of ten. Mark, I know he saw that one. Eight out of ten. I yeah. wouldn't see. Let me um, open up because I saw it. Uh, I actually saw it last week. You did. So this is Yorgos Lathamos directed this one, and uh, I've seen now three of his movies. Um, I've seen The Lobster, which he directed. That one's from uh, 2016, and Ooh. then he also has The Favorite, which he did not write. That one he did merely uh he just well not merely but he directed the favorite he didn't write that movie um so in terms of his movies that i've seen of his that he's directed this is my i think this is my second favorite of his his movies he has a certain style guys and it is totally understandable because it is not for everyone it is a style in which everyone kind of talks well the people in it that are speaking english in it 
kind of speak in a way that maybe Americans wouldn't kind of talk to each other. Everyone's yeah, it's a, they have like an odd like accent about them. Yes, it, it's like they uh, it, it's as though they were trying to mimic what they thought like normal people talk. Like. Yes, all of his movies right? I've seen. It's you know what it is, Mark. It's people being very blunt to each other in a world where we as Americans and our culture is we're. Yeah. You know, we kind of sugarcoat some things. We're kind of wishy-washy. Washy. These people are very blunt. Like, oh, I intend on doing this. And, you know, it would be really nice if you did this. And So it's – but here's the thing, though. He's consistent with that style the entire movie. And right. Throughout the, so, you know. That's what, where I want to kind of yeah. – uh, I've seen The Lobster, too, and I really didn't like it. I was just like, this this isn't that good. Well, where I'm on the opposite side with this, even though it's a similar style. I thought this was better. I was like, I get this. Like, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, my ear, like just a, I'm looking at my review now. It's eerie. It's odd. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward, and at the same time, entrancing. Like I couldn't look away. I was like all in, uh, even though my skin was crawling. I was like, ah, I gotta keep watching this. I'd say once you get um, past the 20 minute barrier on this movie, Boyle. If you watch this, I feel like this is kind of like a sell Boyle on this movie. And it's, where can I? Where can I watch it? So this one's on Netflix right now. It's, it's uh, on Prime too, I think. Oh, is it? It's um. I, think, I believe it's Prime. Once you kind of get the gist of what's going on in this movie you're kind of like oh okay i really like it grips you in you're just like every scene you're like oh man what is gonna happen next like this keeps yeah. getting weirder and weirder and, and weirder. i guess it's um it's a play on an ancient greek myth yes too. saw that uh yep i saw that in wikipedia that also helped too i'm like what's oh the I name? Think it's called the killing of the sacred deer came out in 2017 uh-huh. and uh really good movie look now mark you've seen the lobster and i don't know if you've seen the favorite mark i have seen the favorite and i loved it yeah I, I love the favorite and that's because he didn't write the favorite he, someone he else write it. it. Yeah. Mm. And, and that uh, makes sense. Yes, exactly. And that's why it's my favorite of his three. But what he does in The Favorite, he really does here too as well, which I believe this came out a year before The Favorite. The camera angles in this movie, Boyle, you're going to love this, the photography. Oh, in this yeah. The cinematography in this. There's a lot of cool camera movements, camera placements. It's just a lot of cool cameras. Hard to cool. agree. Yeah. And Mark, I don't know if, about you, but it really helped me watch the movie because each scene, it's like the camera's doing a different thing in each scene. And it makes you want to keep watching because you're like, whoa. Right, and, I used to and watching it this definitely angle. helps. And yeah. it's a horror. Uh, it's kind, kind of. of. Yes, yeah, it's more. I think it's uh, suspense. Yes, okay. I would say deal. it's a suspense movie. It's not really a thriller. It's like a suspense right. horror. It's like magical realism. Did you say what you gave it? Did you do? Your yes, rating? I did at the beginning. I gave it an eight out of ten. I gave it a seven point two out of ten. Oh, yes, very similar. Yes. Yeah. It's Mark and Mark will with me here if then. if. It's one of those things where if you don't like his style, this movie could very quite possibly be impossible for you to overcome liking it. Right. But I think that there's enough other stuff in here that if you have an issue with that dialogue, you have enough in here that you'll actually like. Not exactly a yeah. movie I would recommend on date night or to watch with uh, your Definitely kids not. or your parents. Absolutely yeah, not. not. <laughs> this is a, I watched this with Julia's dad, which we got a kick out of because we're like, whoa. Yeah, this would be awkward if we had just <laughs> met each other. Definitely, but yeah, that'd be we, terrible. Yeah, but thankfully we've known each other for over a year now, so it wasn't weird. But uh, <laughs> there, there were some moments on Easter Sunday where we had to fast forward uh, a little <laughs> around the family. So uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, guys, that's uh, we're we're ticking in at under an hour here. Any final thoughts on uh, this, or what do we plan on watching next? We're gonna continue um, bond watching, I believe. I'm I'm about to. I've got. Um, you only live twice next on my docket. Mm. Uh, we, we've been on the huge bond kick and I also wanted to bring up the discussion of like all of the bond themes that we know and possibly discuss, uh, you know, our favorites. 
Or I, I, um, they brought it up on Lights, Camera, Pod too. It was, um, what's the biggest um, like gap from quality of movie and uh, quality of the theme song, which I thought was pretty interesting. Oh, <laughs> that oh, as in like this is a great song, terrible movie. Yes, no. yeah, I think A View to Kill was like the the lead one because I guess A View to Kill uh, doesn't rate favorably, but like the, the that's the awesome. one that. Yeah, they have Duran Duran do the song. Ooh. I guess yeah, sick. they were mentioning on the podcast. I'm like, wait a minute. We get – like I can't imagine in the same movie universe where we got that Goldfinger theme. We Ooh. also have a movie in that series where Duran Duran is singing. Like it just yeah. – like, musically, <laughs> that just doesn't line up at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Not a knock on either person. I like Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. It's a fantastic song. Uh, Boy, what about you? What are you looking forward to over the next week or two? So – I know coming up that I'm doing a task that I think both of you would enjoy doing as well. I know Mark already signed up. So Mark knows when I'm doing it and what I'm doing. Roas, I don't know if you paid attention, if you heard us talk about it, but I'm going to watch both Avengers Infinity War and Endgame back to back at the same time. Unless it's a pee break, I'm not getting up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I told him I I I verbally committed. And I'm like Boyle. I am in. We are yes. doing this. It's going to be sick. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Interesting. All right. So I like it. I will be doing six hours of a Avengers marathon, which I'm very excited for. I think in now, my Avengers rewatch, I was uh, I had just finished Ant Man before all this stuff went down, so I haven't watched yes. any of them since. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, I didn't want to do the full lead up. I already did that leading up to it the first time, but. Um, I did that this was just like, well. oh, I just want to do this six-hour oh, yeah. like binge one day. <laughs> just don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> then get up I've, and be like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of wanted to do like the original, like do the Avengers, then Age of Ultron, then do Infinity War, and then, then game, and just chalk up an entire day. There you go. <laughs> oh. My goal is to watch Aliens. I know, uh, Boyle, you watched the sequel to Alien. You watched Aliens, Mark. I know you've seen it before. No, I didn't. Wait, you just watched the original. I only watched the original. I want to see the second one now. Okay, so my goal is to watch the second, the second one's one. good too. And at least watch the next three Bond movies as well. So at least we're doing yes. like three each kind of episode. Yeah. That's kind of I like also have on my to-do is uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's Ooh, another one I want to Julia do. Julia wants to watch uh, – she actually brought this up to me. She's like, Nick, I really want to see this movie. And it was Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm like, oh, yeah. Ooh, I love that movie. Flick. Mark, did you yeah, see great. it? Yeah, um, great. I saw that too. Um, I gave it – Four stars. I can just check my my out of ten rating um, pretty quickly. Yeah, but I, I love that movie. That came out. Uh, uh, that was something that I thought was. Yeah, I think I just thought it was uh, really odd. So I, I kind of always left it on the back burner. Oh, I I really like that movie. I gave it a nine point one out of ten. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a uh, it's a really enjoyable movie. It goes down. It's a Wes smooth. Anderson movie. He it goes is. full Wes Anderson, and it is fantastic. Yes. It is. And uh, so when she said that, I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, you don't going to have to twist my arm to rewatch that movie. I really like that movie a lot. So, uh, yeah. Grand I Blue was going to say, I don't, I don't remember yeah. what my score was, but I also, like, loved that movie. I want to say it was a nine. Could be a little bit less, but it, I believe it it's was It's a cast nine. that is honestly gets better over time. I mean, depending on how you feel about Tony Revliori, who's been in the uh, – he was in this movie. He was in Dope, and then he was been in the last two Spider-Man movies. But then you also have Shersha Ronan in it, who went on to be even more successful than she was at the time. Then um, obviously all the other people that are just great. I mean, Ralph Fiennes, Willem Dafoe, Adrian Brody. I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, it starts in the cast. Oh, that reminds me too of movies we love that are possible rewatches. I uh, got Shawshanked by Godzilla, King of the Monsters, yet again. Yes. It's better every single time I watch it. That movie is a 10. It is a 10. It's, it's perfect. I feel like I, I should give it a, I feel like I should give it a rewatch just uh, for the hell of it. It's like the most meta Godzilla movie of all time. There's just everything. Maybe I was too harsh like my coming. first time, Mark. I think I would need to watch. A, I would need to pull an Avenger style marathon of all the Godzilla movies to fully. Yeah, of all the the Toho movies. Don't it's just, you it's amazing. dare get Mark on that. Uh, I can't I, wait. I'd be, I'd be all in. I'd watch every single one. I can see the future now, where it's, uh, hey guys, day ninety eight of the quarantine. Uh, Mark, we just watched forty Godzilla movies. Uh, if which, I can find it, like if there's a streaming service I can find that has all the old school like Toho. Godzilla's, I will absolutely do a full re- rewatch and review every single one of those movies. It's on, what, what's that horror movie streaming service? I know someone out there knows. What's it called? Like Chiller? Or, you know, it was like something yes. else. Yeah, something like that. You think they'll Yeah, I think it? that's the name of it. No, but I could see it being on something like I'll that. I'll pay handsomely for it. I'll find it. I'll, I'll, do, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I will pay handsomely for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I bet. You know what, though? I bet those movies remastered on a big screen would probably smack right about now. Yeah, because those are the movie, the ultimate. You don't need to be like paying attention to the movie the entire time to enjoy it. Kind of movie. You could be on your yeah. phone and and look up like, oh, snap! He's just tearing up Tokyo right now. Yeah, it's like Ooh. big monster smash things. Yeah, which are awesome movies for me. Well, we're fading, but the goal is to keep watching a lot of movies. Hope everyone's staying safe. Please stay safe, and uh, we're all in this together. I hope everyone stays healthy, and uh, we're all gonna be out of this soon. But uh, until then, we're going to keep watching movies. So, uh, guys, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thank you guys all, and we will catch you next time. Bye. 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 This is Cookie and... Kristen. And... That's right. Madison's over here, too. So, we just finished watching what? Blinded by the Light. Recommended by uh, Madison, who reminded me that I actually wanted to see that movie. So, thank you, Madison. Um, all right, so I usually judge a movie like this whether whether or not it's going to get me to choke up, and it it got me to choke up. Um, Any story like this to me is, you know, that's inspiring, someone chasing their dream just means a lot to me. And also the fact that he's an immigrant and immigrant parents with their strict values, you know, it strikes a chord. And as much as you respect your parents, you don't want to be your parents, and sometimes you find that you are. So that's what made the movie tough for me to watch. But it was it was a good movie. It wasn't great at all. Very cheesy. Um, I'm glad that you read the bio after what happened. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, it's about a Pakistani boy in uh, England in the uh, 70s and 80s who ends up becoming a big Bruce Springsteen fan and wants to become a writer, which goes totally against the grain of his uh, his Pakistani father and family. So... Like I said, it was a good movie. It was all right. I think the better term is he finds inspiration to pursue his dream of being a writer because before that point, you know, he clearly was struggling with this whole idea of being a writer and he can't really do that because he's got commitments as a a son of, uh, you know, an immigrant and, and trying to be, you know, like your parents be better than what they they're doing presently you know working factories and things like that um i wanted to like this movie but 
you know, I, I think, I hate to say this, but the writing of it was not great. He, him standing up in that auditorium, that whole speech was horrible. And if, if that was supposed to show his writing and how profound his writing was and how he won, eh, I didn't think it was that great. But I think the speech in the auditorium, he didn't read it anymore. He just no, spoke from the heart. He off yeah. the, the cuff, but still, the, there was parts he was reading from it, and, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think that could have been a little bit better. I mean, obviously... Um, and then I don't know, like you said, the cheesiness. I think the the words, mm. you know, on the screen kind of thing. Very theatrical. Yeah, I feel like it. It felt to me like a a play. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Definitely something you would see in high school. Perhaps uh, it was a play. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, yeah. I, all in all, it was a good, you know, feel good kind of movie. Um, what do you give it? Out of Ten. the Fisher scale, yeah. six five. Five six or six point five. Six point five. Okay, Boyle. Um, Maddie. <laughs> All right, we heard from Maddie. Miles, no, you're good. All right, I'm gonna give this movie a six. Okay. All right. So thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.